This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're previewing the 2017 Bates women's lacrosse season. Sadie James etched her name into the Nordic skiing record books, and the men's lacrosse team won their first game in convincing fashion. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The number 15 nationally ranked Bates men's lacrosse team opened their season by defeating Roger Williams 23-5 on Saturday at Garcelon Field. Senior captain Charlie Fay scored five times in the first quarter to help the Bobcats jump out to a 7-0 lead. Yeah, felt good. I mean, I just felt pretty comfortable out there. We've been playing for a while now together with that same attack group, so I um, just felt really comfortable. We had a scrimmage on Tuesday against Bowdoin, and that really got us ready for today and felt good. Yeah, what did you gain from the scrimmage you think against Bowen that prepared you specifically maybe for the, this opening game of the season? Yeah, I think it's just game-like experience, you know. I mean, we're practicing every day, going against each other, so it's nice to mix it up a little bit and see a different uh, person defending you on the other side of the field and really just sets you up and puts things in game-like context. I know you came here as a midfielder, but you basically play attack at this yeah. point. What's that transition been like for you? Yeah, well, I actually, in high school, I was an attackman, mm-hmm. but when I got here, I naturally went to midfield just because there's only three attackmen and... I wasn't seeing myself fitting into any roles down there, so I went to midfield, but um, I love being back at attack. It's, I feel like it's where I belong, and just always on the offensive side of the field, it's definitely where I want to be. It was funny today to see, you know, 45 out there, undersized guys scoring a bunch of goals, but it's not Jack Allard. It's yeah. Lestava in the first year, so what, what do you see from him? No, I mean, obviously Jack, losing Jack Allard is a major hit, but uh, uh, Matt, Matt Lestava, he's stepped in, and he's doing a great job, and we love having him at that, at that lefty role, and... We're just going to try and keep working him, working him in with me and Andrew and uh, keep going as the season goes on. As one of the seniors, how cool is it to see some of the younger guys be able to get a lot of playing time today? Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, our, one of our goals is for the first half is to try and separate ourselves as much as we can so that once the second half comes around, those guys can get some playing time. I mean, they work just as hard in practice, and they get us ready for today just as much as we do. So we got to give back to them a little bit, you know. All right, Charlie Faye, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. First year, Matt Lestava got the start on attack and tallied three goals of his own in his collegiate debut. Talking with Matt Lestava here on the Bobcast right after a nice win to open the season over Roger Williams. You're a first year. You got your first few, few career goals under your belt. How are you feeling out there? I'm feeling loose. It's feeling good out there. I mean, we had all fall to play with each other, and we scrimmaged Bowden uh, a few days ago, so... It's, uh, it's nice. It's nice to get our first win. Now, you're wearing number 45, which I think you might know about Jack Allard. How, how's that, uh, inheriting that number and inheriting the same position as well? Yeah, I mean, big shoes to fill, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he meant so much to this team last year. But, I mean, I'm not trying to be the next Jack Allard. I'm trying to be the only Matt Lasava, so. Exactly. And so, I mean, in terms of your game, what do you bring to the hip table, do you think, in terms of what you specialize in out there? Um, I'm just trying to move the ball, try to get – uh, in the right spots, space the offense well, and uh, get it to 23 and 3, you know? Right, well, 23, uh, Charlie Faye, pretty good out there. What's, what's it like playing with him um, every day? Oh, it's great. I love it because uh, he's the type of kid to where I could throw him a bad pass. If he doesn't catch it, he's mad at himself. So it's, it's, it makes it easy to play, play with him. And then a lot of the guys obviously got playing time today because of a nice kind of stress-free win, if you will, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of guys into the game, so that was good to see, like, a couple of guys who are always working hard in practice get a, get their points today, so it's always good. What's been the biggest adjustments for you so far transitioning from high school now here into college? Well, I mean, it's just like the slide, you know the one slide's always going to be there. It's just trying to, the, everything's quicker. Everything's quicker, getting the ball off the ground and uh, trying to move fast, you know. All right, well, Matt Lestava, thanks so much. Thank you. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams hosted the Bates Carnival over the weekend, the final carnival of the year before Nationals. Sophomore Michael Cooper locked up a spot in the NCAA championships in Alpine skiing with a career-best sixth-place finish in the slalom. But the Nordic skiing teams really made news. That's because senior Sadie James won the 5K classical technique race on Friday, the first Bates women's Nordic skier to win a carnival race in 14 years. The Bobcat men and women combined to perform better than every main school in the classical technique race, thus winning them the Chummy Broomhall Cup. We caught up with head coach Becky Woods to look back on the banner weekend. Looking back at the Bates Carnival with the head coach of the Nordic skiing teams, Becky Woods. And Becky, before we talk about Sadie James and what she did, let's talk about what the teams did as a whole, uh, winning the Chummy Broomhall Cup for the best Nordic skiing teams in Maine in the classical technique races. I mean, that just shows overall the depth, right? Because the men and the women have to step up, and they did. They absolutely did. Um, they had their best day of the year on Friday, which was a real gift to us. Um, you know, I think we went into the day knowing that it was going to be, uh, it was going to take everybody's, you know, 150% effort to make this happen, and uh, it just all came together. We were really fortunate. Chummy Broomhall, famous skier in Maine. You know him. What, what's he like as, as a person? Oh, he's phenomenal. Um, he's one of those people that uh, exudes um, the love of Nordic skiing, and, you know, just to be around him, um, you're inspired. So, I, I, and the team knows him well. He was very close with Coach Flynn. So, I think that um, all of that put together really uh, made a, a really positive impact on the team. Uh, particularly thinking about the races, uh, and then as the day unfolded, I think it kept him going. Sure, and I saw you know smiling faces in the photos and whatnot. I guess they try to kind of treat that you know there at the Bates Carnival kind of like you know maybe the football team treats the CBB series, right? Absolutely. You know, I think um, one of the beauties of this, the Chummy Broomhall Cup, is that it allows um, it allows us to win. You know, and um, you know we still clearly have that opportunity on the EISA circuit. Um, but it's a little more rare, and uh, this allows us to um, to win something that is incredibly meaningful and uh, to have that stay with us for a whole year. Well, speaking of winning, Sadie James won the 5K Classical Technique race there on Friday. The first women's Nordic skier to win um, a carnival event since 2003, the first Nordic skier of, of any gender to win since 2009 here at Bates. And so what was your reaction when you saw that she was actually going to get a victory, like a number one finish there? <laughs> that was just awesome. I mean, I was out on the course and we were given splits. And when she came through, she was 20 seconds up on the pack. And uh, she had a kilometer and a quarter to go. And, you know, we just told her to hold on. Um, so it was, it was just so um, exciting and she's worked so hard for this uh, she's been moving along and, and getting better and better as the season um, you know has gone on so we were hoping you know fingers crossed that you know we were thinking maybe she could get on the podium um, but 
to win was spectacular. To win in the fashion that she did with a 21-second lead on everybody is just unbelievable. So I'm, I'm really proud of her. Yeah, she said she'd been, you know, skiing on that course since middle school. That's yeah. That's got to help, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, there was a lot of emotion going into this race for her. Um, it was the Chummy Broomhall Cup. It is where she started her career, and it was where she was ending her classic career as a collegiate skier, you know, in terms of the um, – in-season circuit so it was just awesome now she seems to thrive at the classical technique specifically why is that she's just really talented naturally uh, and it comes uh, easy to her um, she's been a really strong classic skier her whole life and she's really worked hard and gotten progressively better and better and better in skating um, in fact having one of her best races just the other day um, but she just thrives on classic skiing great and then she's obviously qualified for the ncaa championships again after qualifying last year i bet she's looking forward to staying east though this time right i think so she knows these courses well we've already skied there once and she skied there you know throughout her collegiate career at least three times so uh i think she's really excited to be here uh, and also she'll be able to have her teammates and her family all support her and that's really important as well yeah the team's got to be very excited about this too right they're absolutely excited. I'm sure they'll all be over there yelling and screaming and, you know, uh, supporting Sadie. And then, you know, from the team perspective, again, you know, obviously it looked like, you know, for the men's Nordic team, it looked like, you know, some seniors really stepped up this year. I, I thought, you know, Mills Legal did a really good job this season. What, what, what were your observations on how they performed? They actually, like you said, stepped up. Uh, and this weekend, you know, again, it all came together. We're really fortunate to have our February break right before the EISA championships. And I do think that that actually helps quite a bit. It just it helps them mentally, physically a little bit, you know, just to have a little bit of a breather uh, and to really be able to focus on the races ahead. For people who don't know, obviously, when we host a carnival, what goes into that for you and for other people? Well, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. Um, you know, just um, you know, we're the we're the race organizers. Um, luckily, uh, we have Chisholm Ski Club and Black Mountain uh, to work with, and they're phenomenal. They've been putting on races. They've hosted our NCAA championships before. Um, they've hosted U.S. nationals. So we have 100% faith in their ability to. Um, do all the little things um, that have to happen to make the race come off well. But, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it for sure on that on a weekend. I know last year you had to host it there over at Colby. It's been nice to actually have it you know, your home course for real this time. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think you saw the, you know, results of yeah. that this weekend. You know, I mean, our team was psyched to be there. They know the course really well. And, uh, you know, we were skiing at home, and there's certainly an advantage to that. All right, well, Becky Woods, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on the Bobcast, and we're looking forward to Sadie's return to the NCAA Championships. Thank you so much. And Sadie James is not only returning to the NCAA Championships, she is also our female Bobcat of the week. First of all, obviously, as we all know, you won the 5K <laughs> Classical Technique race on Friday at a course you've been skiing on since middle school. I mean, how cool is that? Because that's where you've been skiing basically whole, your whole life. Yeah, it's uh, it was my first race ever besides a 1K race around an airport. So I don't really count that as a race. So yeah, it was really my first race ever when I was about 12 years old, um, which is just, you know, it was kind of a full circle. Um, 
I don't I'm still like trying to process how I feel like emotionally about that whole weekend but I mean it was so so special being back there um and having having the Bates Carnival my final college carnival ever be at the place where I started my ski career it was it couldn't have fallen more perfectly right you mentioned it was your you know first race back when you were 12 basically but you also obviously I'm sure spent hours and hours practicing out there oh yeah we would go there in high school um ski the courses we spent breaks there because we'd have states there um I know that course like the back of my hand. <laughs> yeah, it all kind of set up perfectly for you. What were the conditions like out there? Uh, hot and slushy. Um, in a way, I told Becky it kind of reminded me of NCAA's last year for the 15K, uh, where it was 50 degrees and we were skiing in t-shirts with no headbands and we all got sunburned. And, you know, it wasn't a 15K, it was a 5K, but I mean... I got to the finish and laid in the snow because I was just so, so hot. And Haley came over and started rubbing snow all over my arms because I was, I was just really overheating. Um, so really hot, really slow, too. Um, our coaches did everything they could to make our skis as fast as they can, which they did. They were they were ripping, giving the conditions. Um, but it was slow snow because it was so hot. Interesting. And so, but it seemed like you obviously weren't impacted by that too badly, right? <laughs> I know. It was kind of funny. I couldn't figure out like how I was, how I was doing during the race because they kind of switched up our seeds because it was better to go at the beginning um, because the snow was a little bit cooler. Mm. So it was, it was warming up as the day went on. Um, and so I was going in this third seed where I'm usually in the sixth seed. So there were still a lot of fast girls behind me, so I wasn't getting the splits that I usually do. So I was just kind of going with it. Um, I mean, and it was slow, so it was hard to figure out how everyone else was doing as well. But I kept picking girls off, and I was being told I was having a great race, but I had no idea what that meant. I was hoping for a top five. Um, and then I got my first split about maybe three minutes from the finish in the last big climb on um, High School Hill, which is infamous in a way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got my first split there saying I was winning, but I honestly didn't think too much of it um, just because I knew there was a ton of fast girls behind me still. High School Hill is infamous. Why is that? Um, it's just a really massive climb that's deceivingly long. Um, you get to the top and you turn a corner and you think you're at the top and then there's more to it. Um, I love it. <laughs> they made shirts that say, like, I survived High School Hill that my mom bought for us after the first time we did it. Um, so it's, I mean, I, I love that hill, but a lot of people aren't a big fan of it <laughs> you mentioned when you crossed the finish line they said you were currently in first and your reaction yeah. was what so why yeah. why do you have that surprise well, well i i guess i mean it's just something i never thought i'd do that doesn't sound good but i mean i mean i really wanted a podium i didn't want to say that out loud um because i didn't want to jinx myself but um I I was just shocked that the more and more girls kept crossing the line and I was holding a 20-second lead. Um, I was scared the results were wrong. I was scared Bart timing had messed up. Like, I was just really nervous to believe it. But, like, my teammates came up to me and they were like, believe it. Like, you just won. And I, I still don't know if it's sunk in yet. Um, I'm, I'm laughing at the, like, when people are like, oh, congratulations, you won, like, the Bates Carnival. Like, it's just something I never thought I'd do. But it's a really, really special moment. So you are standing there waiting for other people to finish after you're done, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's also, I mean, it was a chummy cup, too. So, yeah. you know, our entire team, and I think those are the moments I'm going to remember about that, is we were all standing there in our T-shirts dying, like overheating, standing at the results board, waiting for our other teammates to come in, cheering people on along the way. Um, it was it was really, really special. Yeah, we waited until the last girl crossed the line, and we, we did a group cool-down ski into the finish back to our coaches. 
And then obviously the Chummy Cup, very important because it yeah. shows you're the, you know, the best team, at least that day in, yeah. in Maine in the classical technique. I mean, what does it mean to you to have bring the Chummy Cup back to Lewis? And I know you won it two years ago, but bringing yeah. it back this year. Yeah, it was. It felt good to bring it back this year. <laughs> uh, we, I, I, I didn't realize this, but this was the 11th year the – the Chummy Cup has been going on, and so, but or no, maybe not the eleventh, but it was. We had Kobe and Bates were each tied five and five, okay. so we broke the tie okay. in our favor. Um, so it was really, really special bringing it back. Um, it means a lot to our team. It means a lot to our coaches. Um, so being able to have an influence in how those results came out was really, really special. Well, it's a pretty impressive looking trophy. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's really heavy. We learned too. <laughs> we're like picking it up. We're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to drop it. <laughs> And now, obviously, you're, you're going to Nationals. Yeah. Uh, they'll be announcing it on Tuesday here. And um, you went to Nationals last year, but this year you get to stay much closer to home, right? Yes, much, <laughs> much closer, a whole two hours away <laughs> driving. <laughs> um, really excited to go back to Jackson. Um, you know, I honestly didn't know if I was going to make it this year. Um, and it's something I've just kind of been – going into every weekend looking I mean I told you at the beginning of the season like I wanted to go into every weekend being like this is the last time I'm going to race at this venue um and I kind of did that going into Rumford as well with the Bates Carnival um and going into this weekend I wasn't into NCAAs um and I really just wanted to have fun and be relaxed and when I do that I race my best and so it all worked out um so yeah going to NCAAs which I'm really really excited about um everyone's gonna be there my sister's coming up my mom's going um so, yeah, we leave next week. <laughs> What's the course like? You're obviously familiar with it. Yeah, I've skied it a few times. Um, it's hilly. It's technical. Um, I love it. I really love the 5K. I mean, it's the same course, but I'm really excited about it. Excellent. Well, Sadie James, our female Bobcat of the Week, congrats again on being the Bates Carnival champion in the 5K Classical Technique, and congrats again on bringing the chummy back to Lewiston. Thank you so much. The women's and men's track and field teams competed at the Open New England Indoor Championships this weekend against competition from all levels of college athletics. The women finished 6 out of 35 teams, their best finish ever at the meet, and they climbed to number 5 in the latest National Division Three rankings. Senior captain Jessica Wilson won the 3,000-meter run, setting a new Bates record along the way. And senior captain Allison Hill broke her own program record in the 60-meter hurdles, clocking in at 8.67 seconds. Meanwhile, the men's track and field team finished 13th out of 32 schools, led by junior Adedire Fakaridi. Fakaridi finished second in the weight throw with a new season-best distance of 60 feet, 3.75 inches. For his performance, Fakaridi is our male Bobcat of the week. Definitely encouraging given that uh, Nationals is uh, a couple weeks ahead um, to be able to perform, um, to compete, uh, with good competition, so hopefully uh, I, I I can prove that moving forward in tough slash chance and obviously in nationals to, to compete, uh, have good opener in the prelim, preliminary round and then move the, the, um, the mark farther. So, Well, last year at the last chance meet, you set your career best, which is still holding up at the moment. You're hoping to break it though this week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely. Things are starting to fall into place uh, technique-wise. Technique um, unfortunately, last season... My career best was a week before Nationals and Tufts last chance. So hopefully uh, this this year it's at Nationals. So uh, I'm saving, saving the big one for Nationals, hopefully. Yep. Sure. And then the last chance meet, obviously uh, the, the, the name says it all, but does it have a different feel than other meets? Because people are like, for some people it really is their last shot at qualifying. 
if for me there's less pressure yeah, right. because I understand that like everyone else is like trying to qualify and I'm just trying to move my mark further. So I happen to do better there because I'm like, oh, this is my last like meet that that um that that doesn't have necessarily high stakes on it. So it's like for some reason I feel a lot more calmer than everyone else in this meet. So I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. I believe you're third in the country right now in the weight throw. You finished third at nationals last year. Got obviously all American. Are the two guys ahead of you the same two guys, or do you, uh, have you even no. looked at that? No, no the, the two guys ahead of me. They they were um they're they're just they just had pretty big PRs. They threw like 62 feet, 62 63 feet. So which is still in the range, fortunately. But uh yeah, good thing about uh, rankings that they're just that rankings. Yeah. You know what matters is what you do the day of. So. Hopefully, I can surprise them with a phantom punch. So. Right, right. And then, um, you know, the team in general, obviously, it seems like there's been a lot of breakthrough performance this year. How do you assess, you know, the team overall? Yeah, definitely our DMR is really strong. Uh, very, very strong this year. They're second. They're ranked second in the uh, the country. They broke the DMR record. Um, I'm definitely excited to see what they're going to do in nationals. And, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be a real fun trip down. Got the experience last year. Uh, what did you learn from it that you're going to apply this year? Uh, definitely to understand that everyone around me is very nervous and like take advantage of that uh, just know that like all I have to do is do what I've been doing in practice and that's that's going to be more than good enough to, to take me to finals and give me another All-American just understanding that like I can't the only good thing I can do is actually throw the ball if I think that I put myself in a bad position so just do what I've already been doing so yeah, what is, I know athletes, you know, especially in track and field, can be very routine-oriented. Do you have a routine that you go through each and every meet that's similar? Uh, this year has been kind of interesting. I haven't really had a routine. Last year I really had a routine in terms of, like, um, like um, a focal point or, like, um, something I would think about before I throw. But definitely coming down to these next these last few weeks, I'm definitely going to get back into that rhythm. So it's going to be very interesting to see what that what that does. It helps a lot. Sure, so. sure. And then for the men's track and field, are there any anybody at the last, last chance to be coming up kind of borderline for you guys? Yeah. Uh, I believe Jeff Jones, um, Bofis, and um, and Isaiah. Those are those are three guys that, that are hoping to put up a big mark and hopefully qualify for nationals. So. Great, great. So obviously they're feeling a little bit more pressure than oh, you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yep. And so any other thoughts on Open New England and what you took away from it uh, leading into these next couple meets coming up? Yeah, um, I, I learned that, like, um, things things come around, you know. It's like there's no there's no need to hang your head when things aren't going your way. You just need to kind of focus and keep showing up and keep pushing out because eventually things will go your way. So I'm, I'm very excited to see where that's going to take me the rest of the season. All right, sounds good. Uh, D-Ray Factory, looking forward to another big number being posted this upcoming week and then uh, leading to Nationals. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Aaron. The women's squash team finished the year by winning their final match at the College Squash Association Team Championships, knocking off Middlebury 6-3 to clinch a final ranking of 15th in the country. Individual Nationals are up next for both squash programs. And Ahmed Hatata will compete in the A-flight as one of 16 men with a chance of bringing home a national title. The second four-time All-American in Bates men's squash history, and this year's NESCAC Player of the Year, Ahmed Hatata joined the Bobcast to look forward to his final individual nationals. Your senior year, you get the NESCAC Player of the Year award for the first time in your career. What does that mean to you? It definitely means a lot. Uh, it, means, uh, it means a lot because I... 
I'm looking forward just to make uh, everyone proud, just to make base proud, and it's uh, it's good that we brought home that title back again after having it for four straight years in a row, and then have it for the fifth year. Uh, it just uh, it just been great up to now. I know you mentioned there's a lot of pressure playing the number one position all season, but uh, you clearly embraced it, right? I know it was uh, it was tough filling in the shoes of uh, the former national champion, but. Uh, I've been I've been working hard for it. I've been uh, I've been trying to make everyone proud, going to every match, trying to win every match, and uh, up till now it's been uh, it's been great. I know the last time we talked, you mentioned that like oh, you know Trinity and some other schools have some really good first mm-hmm. years, so you weren't quite sure about the A flight at Nationals, mm-hmm. but it seems like you've clinched that up, mm-hmm. especially with your win over Rick Penders, um, one of the older players on Trinity. Mm-hmm. But uh, take us back to that match and how that went for you. Penders, he's a, he's a great player. We've been uh, we've been play, he's been on uh, he's been playing one or two for Trinity since he uh, since he came in uh, as a freshman and uh, he finished uh, he finished three last year in uh, in nationals and in individual nationals. So it was uh, it was definitely a big win uh, and it was tough going through that match. You know, just going uh, it's always tough playing Trinity, especially playing their number one. So uh, I've been I've, I've worked hard for that match and uh, I'm glad I pulled it through. Yeah, and obviously the team itself, it was kind of a rough go of at Team Nationals, but you went 3-0 and there. So, I mean, that, you must be – are you feeling like you're playing your best squash right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Team Nationals was uh, – it was great. We didn't get the result we wanted, but uh, I was very, very proud of each and every single player we had on the team. They, uh, they played their hearts out, you know. They played with passion. They played – it was just great watching them on court. You know, it was, uh, it was a fun weekend. How eager are you to get to Dartmouth to get another shot at you know some of the best players in the country? After I know last year a little bit disappointing, but this year you got you got a chance to uh, make a make a move here. It's gonna I know it's gonna it's gonna be really tough this year because uh, especially there's a, there's a lot of players from back home in Egypt that I used to play with in juniors are now here, freshmen, seniors, juniors, everything, and uh, they're really good players, they're, they're legit players, and uh, so starting round one. It used to be round one, it used to be like an average match, now round one is just like the final match, you know, it's all going to be tough matches with really good players, so I'm just looking forward to uh, to go through, uh, to go to Dartmouth and uh, play my best squash, I guess, and uh, it's the last weekend, so I might as well just give it my all. Sure, absolutely, and then you brought an interesting point, you know, a lot of guys who you've played against before back in the day, um, I know I always talked with um, Ahmed Abdelkhalik about this, how when you're playing someone you know so well, it can be kind of uh, crazy in terms of, like, the, the matches and the points and, and in terms of you guys, you know, maybe running into each other and stuff. What, what's yeah, that like to play someone gets, you know? Uh, it gets tricky because, you know, you ha- you kind of know their game. You've played yeah. them a couple of times. You've, you've beaten some of them. You've lost to some of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, just walking in on court with these players just bring ba- brings back a lot of memories. You know, so uh, I'm just looking forward that all these memories don't come come along during the matches and uh, just focus on each match. And do you think it'll be nice to be on a college campus this year? Last year, obviously, they did, they did something a little bit different there. <laughs> uh, it, it will be a little different. Actually, one of, my, one of my favorite places to play was at Chelsea Pierce. Oh, okay. um, they have great courts. The environment was great. You know, the everything, the... Just everything was really well prepared. They were, uh, it was good. Um, and uh, the year before that was at Princeton, mm-hmm. which was great too. You know, it doesn't make a lot of difference playing at uh, a club or at you know, at a college. Uh, we played at Dartmouth before two years ago, so uh, I kind of know how the courts work, and I've, I've 
you know, and uh, I just hope I get comfortable fast enough playing on these courts. What are you working on in the days leading up to going to Dartmouth? Are you just trying to uh, relax? Or are you working uh, uh, extra hard on the courts? You know, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm definitely working extra hard on the courts. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's the last one, so uh, I'm trying to, you know, just push as, as much as I can, give it my all, and uh, definitely, definitely working to be mentally, you know, ready for these matches cause, since day one because all the matches are going to be tough. So I'm just working on that. And uh, on the squash court, of course, I'm, I'm still playing with. Uh, I told most of my teammates not to stop playing squash so I can still hit with them, you know, this week. So uh, sorry for that. But, you know, it's the last week. But, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward for the weekend. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to it as well. Should be a very fun individual nationals. I'm in Hatata. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. The baseball team wrapped up their annual trip to California this past week. They finished the trip by winning two of their final three games. The Bobcats have a 2-3 and three record on the season so far, and they don't play again until they visit Brandeis on March 11. Senior John DiNucci is off to a hot start at the plate. So far this year, he is 11 for 18 with a double and five runs batted in. Uh, you know, I was just trying to take, be aggressive on pitches I saw early. Uh, just anything I could handle, I swung at it. just ended up working out on the whole trip. So overall, we, I wish we could have had a couple more wins, but that's how it shook out. We got some things we got to work on, but... Overall, I thought it was a pretty good trip for everyone. Yeah, you seniors talk to some of the young guys after that first game because that was kind of a heartbreaker. Yeah, that, we just had to shake that one off. Tough way to start the season, but hopefully we become a team that can start winning those close games. I know we had two close games we lost, but beginning of the season, not many practices. Hopefully next couple of weeks we can fine-tune those mistakes and get back on track. Well, and yeah, you play like almost right away. You barely get any practice time exactly. initially, and so the coaching staff and the players are still learning about each other and everything. What's that adjustment been going so far? Uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're just. I mean, we hardly got to work on any like cuts and relays. It was right. the first time we saw balls in the air and on the ground, so we're just going to work on those. On unfortunately, on Garcelon on the turf and whatnot. So, in the gray cage, so we'll be working on those and just fine tuning everything. And then your new, new head coach, John Martin. What's he like so far? He's uh, he's the man. He's uh, he's just he's awesome. He's found a great balance with the team between uh, being focused and getting work done, and also just being laid back and having a good time. He's great at that. He's a funny guy, and we all, uh, we're all all behind him. Any first years impress you through that first week that you saw? We have a ton of young talent. Yeah. That's tremendous. Um, a couple of guys definitely going to be contributing early. Um, a couple in particular, uh, behind the dish, Jack Aaron and uh, Kyle Carter, uh, somewhere in the infield. But everyone will, will be contributing up and down, everyone on the team. So, yeah. Big roster, right? I mean, you guys have a lot of play- more than like a major league roster race. Right? I know we have uh, 33 man ro- or 33 guys on the team, so yeah, a little bit bigger than the 25 man rosters for the major leagues. Yeah. What's that dynamic like to have so many people? Because obviously, you know, not everyone can play. You know, even even over the course of five games, even. Well, I think the dynamic. Everyone is everyone on our team. We have great team chemistry. Everyone gets along, so that's a good thing to start off with. But uh, it's yeah, it's tough getting everyone in, especially on the spring trip. Coach Martin hadn't seen any of us play. He didn't know what he was working with, so he tried to get everyone in there as best he could. But, um, yeah, it's tough. But uh, it also works out because we all get along. We're all friends and stuff. So, What were you working on over the offseason, and how did your offseason training go in terms of – because obviously you're off to a great start, so clearly whatever you're doing worked. <laughs> actually, I just stuck to the same regimen and whatnot. It was that freshman – there was actually a freshman, Jack, Aaron, who I mentioned, yeah. gave me one little tip, and it's been working out great. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, 
I mean, yeah, we'll see how it goes on from here on out. Guys still produce the rest of the season. So, What's the tip? I want to know. I uh, just uh, had to do with my load just uh, uh-huh. at the beginning of my swing and whatnot. So he helped me out with that. So. Well, that's cool to have a first-year help yeah, with a senior. Yeah, yeah he, showed, he just <laughs> saw it and said something, and I was like, why not give it a try? <laughs> sure, absolutely. And then obviously, is it weird to have five games and then you have to wait two weeks to play again? It's definitely pretty – well, it's annoying because we want, to, we want to get back out there. But it's also good because we – like I like I said, we didn't have any time to have any practices and whatnot. But it'll be good to get some good practice in and go back out. I think we're taking on Brandeis in a couple of weeks, and hopefully by then we'll have everything firing on firing on all all cylinders and whatnot. So obviously in baseball, the NESCAC games and your division are the ones that are like it's like a playoff game every day, basically, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. No. We want we our goal is to win the NESCAC. Uh, we think we can do that. We have a lot of talent, but also we want to have enough wins where we can hopefully, if that doesn't happen, you know, make a regional tournament. That's something we haven't done yet and something we all want to do. So, All right, well, we're looking forward to the rest of the Bates baseball season coming up in a bit. Uh, congrats again on your personal great start to the year. John DiNucci, thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Now it's time to preview the 2017 Bates women's lacrosse season. Coming off an NCAA tournament bid last year, the Bobcats are ranked 13th in the nation to begin this season. They host Wellesley this Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Head coach Brett Allen gives us an inside look at a team that graduated 10 seniors, but returns four of their six leading scorers from a year ago. We're definitely very pleased with what we bring back as far as our returners go. Um, You know, we had... Obviously, Mariah last year on the offensive end had a ton of points, and she's not here anymore. And um, I think what that'll actually do is probably create more opportunities and more balance at our offensive end. Um, And to have some kids, um, specifically midfielders, who are sort of in that group of the top four out of six that you just alluded to returning, um, certainly gives us some some confidence at, at that end of the field. Yeah, your leading returning scorer is uh, Camille Beltate, who people might recognize from doing all the draw controls, but she also is a, a, a pretty great goal scorer. What, what makes her such an effective player you know, all around there? So Cam's just one of those kids who does all the little things well and finds ways to put herself in good positions to, to be a threat. Um, you know, she's, I think, probably more known for her ability to win draws because she takes a high percentage of them for us. Um, but she's and she's a great defender, but she also finds ways to make smart decisions when she's cutting at the offensive end. Um, we are working on trying to get all of our attackers to be a little bit better at initiating um, and creating more for themselves. So uh, hopefully that's a skill that she and our other players can take advantage of and maybe even create some more this year. You got a second team all NESCAC returning as well and Allison Dewey. What makes her so effective? A lot of the same things I just talked about <laughs> with Cam. Um, you know, I think when when you watch those two play, they're just relentless and they give you everything they have every second they're on the field. Um, but they also find ways to just make plays, whether it's a cause turnover or a ground ball or a draw. Um, you know, they are two of our better defenders as midfielders. They really made big leaps between their freshman and sophomore year at the defensive end of the field. Um, and so I think the fact that they work so hard and kind of do a lot of the dirty work, so to speak, as far as winning possessions and putting our team in position to do well offensively, um, that's, I think, one of their kind of um, the things that they hang their hat on. So those are kind of two of the headliners in terms of returnees, but also in goal, obviously, you know, Hannah Jeffrey, one of the great athletes ever at Bates College, she's graduated, but 
Eliza Statillo has been very impressive. Uh, she played a couple games last year off the bench and in practice uh, throughout her time here. So you must be feeling pretty good with her uh, in goal. And no pressure, though, right, replacing Hannah Jeffrey? <laughs> yeah, you know, Hannah is certainly one of those players who's irreplaceable, and she's, in some respects, uh, for a program like ours, a bit of a generational player. Like, you know, she isn't the type of kid we're going to get every single year here at Bates, at least in the past we haven't. Um, but I think what people don't realize is that Eliza was recruited to come to Bates to be the person who would take over for Hannah. And I've known that for three years, but <laughs> nobody else has known that until now. So we feel really comfortable with, Han- uh, or with Eliza in the cage replacing Hannah. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing we've tried to focus on with her and with everybody is like, you know, last year's done and over with. And while it was great to accomplish some things we hadn't in the recent history of the program, like this year is the only 2017 season we've got. So um, we need to play to our potential and do the best we can. And Eliza is going to be a big part of that. And then you never know with first years in terms of how they'll perform at the college level. But I know you're feeling pretty good about this year's class. We are. You know, I think um, one of the strengths of having um, – graduating classes is that you're always finding new players to replace and then develop the program and take it to even higher levels. And so while relying on first years isn't always a great sort of recipe for success in our conference, I do feel like we've got some first years on our program that are going to contribute this year and probably contribute pretty early in the season. Um, But, you know, that said, we we love all of our kids that are on the team. I mean, they all earned a spot, and they've all proven that they can compete at this level. So we're just sort of looking forward to figuring out which puzzle pieces seem to be the best ones that fit. Do the returnees, you know, we've had a, a week or so of practice, but ha- did you sense the returnees have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after kind of a tough NCAA tournament game last year against Springfield where you guys looked like the clearly superior team, but they kind of, you know, you know, wore down the clock on you there? Well, I appreciate you saying that, Eric. <laughs> um, we are – I think the chip is bigger than than people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a great start to the season last year. We got off, I think it was 10-1. and one, um, And then we kind of limped to the finish line a little bit, so to speak. And that left a bit of a bitter taste in some of our returners' mouths. Uh, so I feel like this group is very eager to prove that last year wasn't a fluke and that we are just as capable of sustaining some of the things that we accomplished last year. Um, but every season's different. I mean, this league is really, really tough. Our non-conference schedule is really challenging. And so if we, you know, just kind of go into it, assuming that because we accomplished some things last year, we will again this year, we're going to be in for a rude awakening. We talked about some of the headliners returning, but who are maybe some players who maybe haven't had the biggest roles in, in recent years that you've noticed in practice uh, maybe taking a, a leap this year who might have a bigger role this season? I think uh, the strength of our returning group is our midfielders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like you mentioned Cam and Dewey earlier, but Kaylee McGuire and Drew Barry have been really impactful as midfielders. And so for me, having the four of those kids as returners Um, While they are a bit of a known entity, I feel like with so many kids graduating, they're going to take on more expanded roles both at the offensive and defensive end. So we've really felt like they've had a great preseason and are actually leading our team on the field. Um, You know, it's hard to say right now 
how things are going to shake out at our offensive end or defensive end because, you know, we're looking for consistency. And we've got a lot of kids who are playing well one day and then maybe not quite as well the next day. And so today's practice, tomorrow's practice will really help us iron things out going into the first game against Wellesley on Wednesday. Graduating a, a, a volume scorer like Mariah, you don't try to replace her with one play. You try to replace her in the aggregate, right? Well, sure. You know, if you look at our team stats from year to year, we've kind of been in the 170 to 200 goal range. And that wasn't any different last year or the year before with Mariah. And so I think from a team perspective, we're still going to try and create scoring opportunities. It's just unlikely that as many of them are going to be set up by one player. Um, and I think the other thing, you know, Mariah took about 25% of our shots last year, and that's a pretty high percentage in the women's game for one player to take. So having a bit more balance on our offense this year is probably something that I expect. All right, terrific. I know the defense was great last season. Who are some top returning defenders we should know about? Well, Aaron Shea is, uh, along with Kaylee and Drew, um, one of our three captains, and she started and played pretty much – all the time last year. Uh, so she has, has really taken on more of a leadership role now that we've graduated um, sort of the rest of the girls that she played with a year ago. She's playing really well, um, and she's doing a great job setting an example for some of the kids that are returners that didn't play quite as much and for our first years that are new. Uh, so I feel really good about our defense, you know, and probably as good as I did a year ago. The only difference is there's more uncertainty because not as many people have played game minutes. Um, and so, you know, the first week to week and a half is where everybody's going to get their feet wet and we'll see how they handle the pressure of, of gameplay. Right, and obviously the game on Wednesday we touched on against Wellesley, you'll probably learn a lot through that one game, right? I think so. Um, you know, you have to take it one game at a time, one week at a time. Uh, Wellesley is a very good returning team. I think somebody that probably gets overlooked too much in their own conference. Um, but they've returned all five of their leading scorers. They returned their goalie from a year ago. Uh, they have a very good freshman class. Um, uh, some kids that I recognize from sort of the recruiting circuit with, you know, our own freshmen when we were recruiting kids. So it's going to be a very tough, stiff challenge um, for a midweek game at home. So hopefully we can get our ducks in a row and play well and get really prepared for a good Wesleyan team that improved drastically over the course of last year after our game at the beginning of the season. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll tell you how Ahmed Hatata and the rest of the Bobcats do at the College Squash Association Individual Championships. We'll also recap a busy week for the lacrosse and tennis programs. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my